Hello everyone, welcome back, or welcome for the first time. At the end of last year, I decided to take a break from releasing podcasts, and I thought to myself, if I never return and release another, there's at least one substantial effort missing. And that was a creation with the guest whose voice you'll hear shortly, Christopher Mastro Pietro. You know, I struggle a bit with introducing Chris here, and dialogues like this perhaps ought to speak for themselves. But I think for those of you who find value here, it may just be enough to say that to me. Chris is an artist of a living craft that need not be done by hand. He's a truly outstanding philosopher. This conversation is inspired by the question, what is philosophy? And personally moved me through experiences of joy, grief, wonder at the mystery we're a part of, and affirmations of the importance of philosophy conceived and enacted as a living process. The first 15 minutes is warm up and begins halfway through sharing some thoughts in relation to the lockdown we experienced in 2020 and which continue into 2021. I hope you enjoy the journey. And a deep thank you to all the patrons and supporters of this podcast, particularly over the last five or six months where there hasn't been too much by way of releases here with most effort in terms of content creation happening inside the Voicecraft network. It makes a big difference. Thank you. Time in those waves, something about, there's something philosophically relevant about it. The experience of responding to the waves appropriately, having that kind of power and force and current sort of take you over and bear you along. There's something about that which is distinctly other than narrative, or at least my narratives about what's occurring or why or whatever's occurring in my consciousness isn't so much of it falls away it seems less relevant and there's sort of like a a resetting kind of being washed clean and then there's an emergence of okay stepping back into the world again but there's some sort of rejuvenation that's happened and um, definitely something I feel if I don't manage to cultivate a practice a practice a place some rhythm of my life that affords that transformation as that stage of transformation then i i don't think i will have crafted a way of really the the most optimal or healthy way of being for me yeah yeah i that resonates with me that's for sure it and there's something about um there's something about dislocation that seems at least for me that's very necessary to undertake that kind of disillusion um, because it's a very hard thing I find to attain when you're embedded, like when you're physically embedded in the place that habituates your course of life. It's a very, very difficult thing to alter the course of a narrative when it's actually cycling through the same forms that maintain it on a day-to-day basis. I find that very difficult. One of the things that's difficult about this time is precisely the constraint that prevents us from 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 that dislocation um which i which i find is just essential some people i think are able to somehow um um some people are somehow able to replace themselves without physically replacing themselves and i envy that i find that's very difficult without actually doing it in an embodied way um and not having that available is very frustrating. It's not simply mm-hmm. sort of the, uh, uh, it's not simply kind of a, a, 
a, a luxury to, to go on vacation. It's not really that, that I mean, it's the, the it's, it's the ability to, um, it's the ability to, 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 to recast the perspective of life on the basis of how you take advantage on it. And that is a difficult thing to capture without actually being able to materially change the conditions that prop up the everyday. And uh, I think that's one of the things that people are finding, you know, people are articulating it in different ways and, and, and perhaps to various degrees of success. But I think that's one of the things that is, it's forcing a kind of, that the world has contracted for so many people and it's contracted in such a way that the sense of possibility that usually attunes us to what is ultimate is removed. It's, it, it dissipates, right? And I think that the loss, there's a kind of a loss of spirit. Mm. It's, a, it's a dispiriting experience. And it's so incredible. I mean, this is something I've discovered over the last like handful of months, personally. I mean, I can see it when I look out at the world, but I don't need to, you know, it's with me. The, the gravity of a loss of spirit, um, the loss of the capacity to aspirate possibility is so, um, it's so incredibly undermining, existentially undermining. And it's a very, very difficult thing to shrug off, you know, and, uh, and the fatigue of it is a difficult thing to shrug off. Yeah, because yeah. it's uh, it's something that um, it just wears you down, right? It just wears you down. So I think that's uh, kind of that's where I am right now. Unfortunately, it's a tough, it's a it's a tricky time, and it is for a lot of people when we're still kind of laboring under the foreclosure of the world, and um, and also the change in the semiosis of the world too, because it doesn't signify as it did, right? The same aspects or appearances don't actually contain or entail that there's not, you know, that the same depth that was once behind the appearance of the world is no longer behind the appearance of the world because the affordances for action that are presented by those appearances are no longer there. So while we, it's sort of like a, it's sort of, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's like when you're walking in the downtown of a city and there's some beautiful edifice that you see, and then you walk behind it and there's no building behind it. It's just an edifice, you know, it starts mm-hmm. to feel that way. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I, I hear that. Um, yeah. God, the, and I think what you just that 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 whole image you've painted there is something that can. I mean, it's a frame. I think we can see into the structures of our culture with quite effectively, and I think. COVID and our response to it and this loss of affordance is, you know, the explicit thing that's being referenced here. But in some sense, this necessity of uh, the environment and others and relationships supporting our transformative renewal of ourselves, these features of the ideal well what seems to me to be towards the way of an ideal human life 
are perhaps those very features which are lacking in what is referenced as the meaning crisis or which are, you know, a key factor there, you know, consider things like addiction and the importance of those patterns and affordances around you after that come to God moment on one's knees, am I able to step back into um, a life where there are opportunities and um, is there support along the way to embed new rhythms of behavior and new patterns of behavior or am I stepping back into those self-same ones which were constricting me or at least playing some similar narrative role that kept me trapped there it's um and and how rigid i think it can seem as though our culture is to the kind of and understandably so in some sense the kind of broad scale change in community possibility cultural possibility that i think many seek how much that's um how much that's not you know precisely undesired maybe by um what one could speculate as the motives of the elite ruling class you know which covid having everyone sort of more or less trapped more or less stuck in a similar non-renewing pattern of behavior inside these little boxes of apartments all in a row in buildings that won't really last in paying rent that can't really be afforded if one also wants to be able to for example go on vacation or take a holy day trip somewhere you know um and all the while our sort of attention is oriented or there's clamors for our attention that orient us towards ever more narrowing to borrow the sort of you know a way of speaking that yourself and john call on so much this reciprocal narrowing mm. oh that narrow us from these other possibilities i there's there's something so deep to to trace there and um it's it's one of the something in there moves me towards a kind of core lamentation that afflicts me when i uh seek to understand how i can be in some um transformative relationship in a in a way of building differently in the world it, it seems such a large <laughs> obviously such a large task so many powerful forces hmm. yeah it is <laughs> and it's not something that can be uh... it's something that requires a, a a devout kind of patience i'm discovering because it's cumulative and it's incremental and it requires a certain amount of feedback a certain amount of affirmative feedback from the world in order to get traction i think and that's a difficult thing to come by too right you know you don't like walk outside one day inhale deeply and reacquire your spirit it has much more to do i think with um with a gradual realization of potential implicit in each moment of being, if only it could be recognized by a power greater than, you know, 
one's imminent sense of self. And I think that's the problem, right? Our imminent senses of selves are not equipped for this. Um, not in isolation. Yeah. And, and absent some greater affinity, absent some, some, if I can put it this way, absent some correspondence to the transcendent, you know, contained within these frail bodies of ours where we're, we're, you know, we're hopelessly diminished. And I think that's part of, you know, part of the, part of the problem too here is that the edicts that we're living under, that we're still living under here, uh, where I am, um, contain within them certain, certain um, presuppositions, um, certain metaphysical presuppositions and existential presuppositions that deny spirit because, you know, the protection of the body is something certainly to be desired. <laughs> Bodily health is important to be sure, you know, I'm not dismissing that, but um, the protection of the body at the cost of the spirit is really, uh, it's a pretty inefficacious remedy for a time of plague and, you know, I mean, it's easy to see how we're in that situation because, you know, edicts are handed down by states and states by their nature are not equipped with the perspicacity to understand spirit because they're, they're not, they, that's not their function. They're not organized that way. They don't have an order of complexity that can reverse engineer an understanding of spirit. That's just not their function. They can't do that. And to elevate them to a position that, uh, that aspires to that is, a, is an idolatrous thing. And I think that's where we, we veer into ideological thinking when we, when we call the state to remedy pathologies of spirit. And this is really a pathology. This is a symbolic entity, this, this affliction that we're all facing. It's a, it's a, it's a biological one, I understand, but more, moreover, it's, it has become a semiotic one and it has infiltrated the spaces between bodies and the spaces between persons to the degree that we don't look out at the world and at each other with the same eye to action as we did before. Now, uh, you know, that's reversible, I think, and thank goodness for that. But I think what's happened under our noses is a, is, a, is, a, is a fundamental change in the way that we perceive the ontology of the world. It's like this isn't some kind of material inconvenience. This is a shift in our, in our, in our perspective of our own ontology as beings and what kind of capacity we have to graduate that ontology. And the limitations of that are so existentially discomforting that they become nameless. You know, it's like after a while, we don't, you know, we don't even know what we're, we don't even know what the source of despair is, right? All we know is that it's there. All we know is that it's there. Yeah. And, um, and a nameless despair is the most difficult one to confront. <laughs> You know, much yeah. of that is uh, exemplified in the slogan that the Victorian state 
in Australia had to sort of um, sum up their COVID strategy and the social distancing, it was um, staying apart keeps us together. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. Mad, yeah. Eh? Slogans, yeah, they do. They just they drive me mad. And the, I mean, yeah, they really, yeah. they really do. They really do. Um, anyway. yeah. Anyway, I didn't mean to sideline into a rant. No, no. Yeah, I'm sorry, Tim. Hey, it's not, uh, not, it's, it's not top of mind, and so there it was, activated. No, it's right there. It's right there, and it's not. It's not a. Um, it's not a side issue. It's uh. Oh, I mean, <laughs> it's so interesting. I mean, these 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 podcasts, you know. There's um, I'm going to uh, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and set one up here. Um, although part of me thinks that sharing these last you know five ten minutes would would be would be a nice thing too. But um, let me let me let me set this up, okay? Go for it. Because otherwise, I'm just likely to take the next branch and if we had eight hours and then could pay an editor a bunch of money they might be able to cobble together some nice looking tree but i'd still be out there surfing another branch but um okay so there is a question that i think these past reflections can orient us toward exploring together and um it's uh it's a beautiful question. It's a simple question. It's one I mentioned to you in the email. And um, that question is, what is philosophy? Mm. And uh, like, man, I'm, it's, uh, I, I'm sort of greedily enjoying the imminence of just asking that question and having it sit there with the opportunity before us uh it's probably much sweeter than how i'll manage to um <laughs> how i'll manage to respond to it but i'm very glad to uh to ask that question with you and to see where that takes us um what is philosophy to you chris um It's a moving target, Tim. I mean, I thought I knew, you know, 10 years ago and five years ago. And and I think it's meant different things to me at different times. Um, I mean, giving some kind of rote definition seems, you know, just like a, a, a valueless thing to do. So maybe what I can tell you is what it means to me now at this precise moment, which is a much more authentic answer than to try and than to try and, and define it on its own terms. And what it is for me now very powerfully is simply the revelation of ignorance, you know? Um, and I don't know if it's because I'm, 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 I'm slipping sideways into some kind of, uh, into some kind of, of Greek skepticism or what, but so, okay, maybe two things. One is, the revelation of ignorance. And on a good day, that means learned ignorance, you know, the kind that Augustine talked about and, 
and Nicholas of Cusa talked about where ignorance becomes a way to index attention back to the to the well let's say to redirect the eye of attention back to the negative presence of truth and the negative by the negative presence of truth i mean everything that is the everything that is by virtue of everything that is not here and now um and then related to that is i i for me i still recourse to to the to the you know to the delphic maxim right to know thyself and the realization of ignorance and um and the and the and the observance of that maxim are inseparable to me now because I think I've reached a point where I've, uh, I mean, this is, this is a, this is a, a personal disclosure rather than a philosophical one, but perhaps they're, they're tied together that so much of, um, we are, we are so numinously mysterious to ourselves and, you know, most of us know that before we know that, you know, we know it prospectively, we know it because we acquire vicarious knowledge that uh, gives us testimony to that fact in advance of the experience. But I think that undergoing the experience of proper, um, proper self-degation or self-disillusionment is such a comprehensively humbling experience that it seems to affirm some kind of um, You know, lately, Tim, I'm gonna I'm gonna sidelong a little bit here, because something is is happening now that I had a feeling would happen, and I want to explain to you what it is. Um, I find myself recently it's it's costing me the great effort to have these kinds of conversations right now, um, because I find that that you know whatever language I can adduce to this seems only to diminish it. Um, and, uh, and, and that's not kind of, that's not some kind of, um, uh, romantic valorization of, of silence or the ineffable or anything like that. You know, I don't mean that for effect. I really don't, but <laughs> philosophy to me right now is silence. Mm -hmm. Um, and for whatever reason, at this particular point in time, at this juncture, whether because of the material circumstances that we've been lamenting about, or because of just happening upon a certain, um, a certain, a certain moment 
um, I find my I find it very 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 difficult to to exposit to to hold let alone to exposit any positive belief about what philosophy is whether to me or on its own merit mm -hmm. and I think that's because I'm renegotiating my relationship with it and I'm renegotiating the imperative of that relationship and what it calls forth from me and what it seems to require of me because you know the world is full of people who can speak like with incredible erudition about this and and there's really no need for me to do it um because they do it better anyway and so for me the meaning of philosophy then I, I'm not trying to, you know, this is not an act of subversion, Tim. I'm really happy to be talking to you. I, I trust you know that. This is not an act of subversion. Um, it's, it's simply like a very honest reflection of the fact that somehow any explanation I could bring to bear in response to the question would be, would be, would be nothing as compared to the question itself. And there is something about the ignorance of the silence, the waiting ignorance, the expectant ignorance of the silence that is an inexpressible, not a comfort necessarily, but, but it is an, it is, it is, the only thing that actually seems to be life-affirming mm -hmm. when set against the din of a thousand possible explanations. You know, Socrates has this, has this, um, Socrates has this line in uh, um, one of the dialogues, um, I think it's the Cradleus, where he says, um, we're talking about naming and, and, and the meaning of, of names and he says, um, the name is an instrument that divides being. And, um, and I feel very beset by divided being. Um, I seem to experience the world right now as a, as a, as a, as a vivisection of endless divisions, uh, endless alternates, alternatives endless um, competing systems and competing frames of reference that account for what is true and what is meaningful. It's one of the reasons I tend to abstain from metaphysical positions simply because I find that I can alt alternatively find beauty in many of them. And it seems to be an aesthetic sensibility that directs my philosophical appetites and attention rather than a logical one. There's a there's a um, there's a quote by a, a writer named Jack Lindsay, Australian, incidentally. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Jack Lindsay. He was sort of a 20th um, uh, ran wrote through the 20th century, and he and uh, and he was sort of a continentalist and took a great interest in Nietzsche and Nietzsche's abyssal experience with nihilism and nothingness. And when setting himself in Nietzsche's position, beholding the dark. 
he said, you know, this is an abyss that cannot be crossed by any thread of logic, but by the wings of aesthetic intuition alone, the logic of which is the symmetry of those wings curving into flight. And, um, and when I read that, I feel a, a, an incredibly powerful affinity with it. Um, because the, the silence of the spontaneously lived moment um, of proper attention eclipses any exposition that I could bring to bear on myself and certainly that I could share with anyone else. And um, so at this moment, philosophy to me is the air that, ru that, that rushes through the wings of that aesthetic intuition as it bears its way and inclines itself to a greater vantage to observe its own shadow on the face of the world. And with some hope and some possibility apprehends some fraction more of what it is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's my very, that's my non-answer to your, your, your question, Tim. Yeah. And I, I'm sorry for it. <laughs> oh no, there's no, I, uh, well, it's interesting to speak of philosophy and then to confidently say something like I wasn't seeking the answer, you know, I was, uh, certainly seeking your response. And I think that is the, that's part of the key, part of the key to living this question what is philosophy this this dynamic of seeking and silence and response chuck a question in there somewhere yeah i uh you know in some sense this the um I would say simplicity, but just the shortness of this question, you know, it can go into a title, you know, what is philosophy? Three words. There's something about the simplicity of it in that sense, um, which somehow ties it into a, an importance or a closeness to me because it's it's uh it's like an an authentic door opener or invitation um you know i i am um, i am seeking whether with this conversation whether whether posted or not but i am always oscillating between the degree to which i want to share moments like these conversations like these that um that's seeking spirit that is those wings which are you know against all odds somehow seeking to find symmetry and balance themselves on the current so that they don't crash back down to earth and that maybe they can play some role of balancing so as to enable vision 
that might somehow be helpful. Um, there's something so um, so uh, humbling about it, and that and and the and the, the fear of um, falling. Not so much that it's like the moment of it's like recognizing the unspeakability in the sense that you were referencing and uh, recognizing that the, the translation of that silence into words on the cusp and that I have to do it in sentences that means something to you. It's so hard for me to finish sentences sometimes, you know, because I realized maybe I've jumped off on slightly the wrong way. And um, my first um, priority in some sense is to, maintain the integrity of that compass toward an orientation that maybe I, you know, is just my kind of um, silent flailing process of balancing myself over a personal abyss. And I haven't yet even managed to, to join up with anyone else. Um, it's, it's somehow an, it's an, like, to invite anyone into anything, to try and navigate a way through a set of ideas, even for some expected outcome or some um, endeavor to convince or say, this is how it is, you know, whether it's a podcast or an essay, you know, it's something I want to communicate. This is a message I have to share. I kind of like to imprint that or somehow influence that i i so so rarely um if ever feel a sense of from beginning to end and then in the silence between to the publishing feel like the integrity remains such as to uphold my desire to share that because there's something about this fundamental more more primary creation together here is call and response you know out there and the rebalancing the imminence of that here the practice of that there the sacredness is there i can i can hold i can hold myself to that and um it's 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 hard to hold myself to words of yesterday um and maybe the, maybe the most artful i can be and and i certainly try to hold myself to the meaning that i tried to communicate in words of yesterday you know here are some values here's what i commit to do with with someone else here's my hopes for the world but but the it there's a there's a there's a trap in there you know somewhere the the fixation of ourselves to conceptions past and mm -hmm. um as mm -hmm. contrasted with an authentic well such a beautiful metaphor this this um this this flying this wings of of intuition i in my my lexicon some sort of walk through a, a dimly lit garden that maybe we can illuminate together and come to know in some sense and then then we go home and um, we have to do the whole thing 
again and uh, maybe we find the same things we probably do you know there's a certain groove to the path um but the the gardens uh very much still to be to be um met again so the only other thing to say of course it isn't the only thing to say is that um it's funny i i uh you said you're you, you don't feel like you're um have anything to add to this question in some sense, or that others might be more erudite, ready to respond. But I, um, to be perfectly honest with you, I, uh, I, I wouldn't have, you know, if you had said, look, mate, I'm not going to be able to have this chat for another five, 10 years. I wouldn't have, um, I wouldn't have asked anyone else, you know, <laughs> I wanted to talk to you about this. So take that for what it is. It's, um, it's it's a strange thing to say in some sense because it it's not so much the question it's it's what i know <laughs> it's what i know to be found in response to that question which is um sacred to me and yeah. uh we've only spoken to each other one time before but of course i've i've heard you speak lots and um for so many reasons i it makes sense that we haven't spoken spoken more than that i am um, almost like <laughs> there's so much to be said but i also didn't somehow need need to say it it's like a strange trust that um that there was a resonance for the aesthetic space duration you know unlocked by a question like that which i um there's there's no there's just no sense in rushing it there's there's no sense in even preparing for it in any technical sense other than to 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 to, to seek to live as well as i can <laughs> up to it and in that sense prepare for it so I think I have quite a radical, I'm coming in some sense to quite a radical answer to this question of what is philosophy. And it's something like, um, well, I, I don't, maybe rather than respond exactly like that, it's like when I look around and I, there are a bunch of philosophers and they have positions and they talk about this and that, not most of the ones I seek out, um, you know, I'm more of the technical academic kind, um, certainly the ones that you know um identify with positions here and there and have technical reasons for doing so and are part of i guess communication societies with lexicons that can end up somewhat isolated from um the reckoning of these of this language with the the the, the kind of cries of being in the world as we're living with it currently some separation there i um i just don't know if i i don't i don't know if i i find philosophy in i don't know if i find it's weird it's like i find philosophy in words but i'm not i'm not sure that that's that's the that's the fundamental process occurring that enables that it's like 
and I and to to alight on and in that process together, whatever that is, and we can name it, you know, some words like dialogos, this dialogical transformation, this participation in a kind of rhythmic call and response Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. that calls on senses of aesthetic and um, kind of vital self-making biology grooved into us over thousands of years as as well as somehow a relationship with potential like what like what that what that is and how showing up to that with each other in relation to ignorance then in relation to the not knowing of what awaits us in the response something like that is there's something about the, that process and the vulnerability of that. And, I, and I, I know I'm not saying anything here, which is leading, leading us in uh, locations in the garden that maybe you, you haven't been before. And that underlies so much, I think, of your um, reflections with John Baveki and in, in many other conversations. And I, in some sense, I'm um, echoing those out from my own um, coordinates on this, on this exploration together. But I, I don't see philosophy as something dry, hidden away, uh, like uh, disembodied and uh, like uh, necessarily elitist. Um, and at the same time, there's a real gift to the education required, like a, and the education to be able to be familiar with the language that philosophers philosophers use is is a gift and and i and i appreciate that and the thing is it's just right no matter the language like what that that process that drive in us that nature in us which which seeks out philosophy which does philosophy i almost can't distinguish it in some sense from the the um something necessary for for life and and i'm okay with blurring it in that way and then when i sit down and write on a page you know i'll say a whole bunch of different things and and try and be somehow more clear but um i it's it's i guess i guess what i'm i'm saying so many things and apologize for that in some sense but there's i i i i don't I do not seek an expert to tell me what philosophy is. Yeah. Thank you for that, Tim. All of it. Um, we, yeah, we, we, we seem to have come to this, uh, we seem to have come to this bridge equidistantly and, and we're both looking down at the rushing river and wondering like, Okay, well, you know, it's, it's, it's that, it's that, and we, you know, we who talk about these things and think about these things, I think, alternate 
between two modes. One is two modes that are both very archetypal. One is, if I can, if I can use this term, is the erotic, which is which is a kind of the wordless longing for the eternal aspect of ourselves, um, which is something I'm thinking about a lot these days. And ah, then, that was that was tight. That was beautiful. Um, and then and then the logos, the um, the the gathering of intelligibility and and the um, and the the systematization of some approximate object of that longing. And, and that object is never satisfying, nor should it be. And that object never seems to beg um, commitment, at least for me. I find the, the longing infinitely more real than the object that it happens to um, um, to conjure as a surrogate for its true object. And I think that um, because of that, you know, I mean, any position we take, and I don't, I don't mean to be technically skeptical when I say this, I don't think it's a particularly controversial thing to say, but that any position that we take metaphysically speaking is provisional and, 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 um, and approximate at best. And I find it very difficult to do what so many of, of my friends and fellows do, people who are much smarter than me and who have devoted many, 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 many years of thinking and rigorous uh, contemplation to these questions, who come, who who are able to manifest authentic com convictions and commitments to those those hyper objects of belief, those hyper objects of belief that correspond to those metaphysical positions, and. I've, one thing I've learned about myself is that I just I don't I don't have it in me to do that with any great continuity. <laughs> I can do it in moments, you know. I have momentary convictions, usually usually called in response to some dialectical setting that seems to produce them spontaneously, and that they seem to be pragmatic pragmatically suited to. Mm -hmm. I feel as though. Philosophical convictions for me are a matter of, of, of are a matter of, uh, of uh, uh, they're a they're a matter of, of 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 instrumental you know they're 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 instrumentally pragmatic, I, that's that's a redundant thing to say anyway, um, which is to say that they have they have provisional uses and those uses are true those uses are real and valuable. Um, but it's, <laughs> I, I think I somehow feel about, about, uh, about philosophical convictions, the way Wittgenstein thought about language or something like that. You know, it's like it, 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 they protrude from whatever unconscious reservoir 
holds their sum of potential. And that sum of potential does seem to correspond to whatever ground we associate with the experience of eternity. That undifferentiated sense of eternity before the divisions of being start to um, start to to class the world of experience. But somehow I find myself increasingly disinterested in the classes of belief that emerge from the world of experience. That's not a very useful attitude because it's maladaptive to situations like, well, not like this because you're, you're here with me and we're, we're, I think we're, we're speaking the same language. Um, but it's maladaptive to those situations where you're, you're called to participate in, you know, in, in, in dialogues that, um, whose object is the, is the, dis, is the disquisition of, of the philosophical concepts. And, and I feel that tension constantly, that, that tension between the eros of undifferentiated longing and the logos of having to arrange the objects of that longing into some kind of discernible order through which to live and speak and be understood. And um, that alternation is something I actually find increasingly taxing, strangely enough. But I don't want to abandon it either. I don't want to abandon it either because abandoning abandoning the conceptual rigor of logos is not in itself in service of the erotic either. Yep. Right? They have a dialectical relationship and justly so. And, you know, I don't want to succumb to um, an impulse to abscond from one in a fit of misplaced loyalty to the other. Mm -hmm. Even though I often find that impulse really rapacious. Mm. And that's such a curious thing to me. You know, it's such a curious thing to me. And I think it does have something to do with being aesthetically oriented rather than analytically oriented or something like that, you know, that just as a, as a rough distinction. Um, yeah. And and, but, you know, one of the things I, I've, I've, I've had this forms of this conversation um, talking about this concern with a, with a couple of people, a couple of, of very, of very close friends, one of whom, of course, is John. Um, and they remind me that um, that. Well, simply that one person doesn't have to be all things to all people. And, um, and that whatever mode of recognition is native to the philosophical interest is the right mode to, the right, the right mode to follow. Mm -hmm. 
And um, anyway, yeah. yeah. No, I hear you. I I think so. So this this leads me a little bit towards something um, something in in something about the kind of practical scaffolding of the forum, the stage, the field of philosophy to come that that at least some part of myself seems pretty damn well committed to helping to realize, helping to build. And it's, um, and this scaffolding is seeking the creation of the conditions of possibility for philosophy, for the, um, the height and the depth of dialogical relationship that can invite and welcome the participation of these sides of the, um, the, the, the orientation, um, the intellectual, the, 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 the analytic and the intuitional. Uh, sometimes I use the word mystical in place of the intuitional. Um, and, you know, the, the, perhaps our world always, I don't know, certainly our world now seems to be more in danger than ever of, of the, um, the powerful oscillations um, that afflict us in, for instance, the domains, politics, um, attitude toward so many things um, because of how much power we have, you know, um, the tales of the distribution, the extremes um, with certainty of righteousness have ever more power to inflict harm, to achieve what they desire. And they can do so in the name of protecting the, the truth and the way it ought to be. Um, and across so many of these uh, dimensions, these, continuums of oscillation cognitive styles personality types cultural dispositions um, we face these problems and so how to how to approach that in the context where famously um, or at least the meme is out there that our attention spans are diminishing and um, I certainly find myself often in patterns of uh, kind of micro addictions which diminish my capacity to pay attention to certain tasks and then um you know i'm here of course and i'm i'm utterly here with my whole being for however many hours necessary fundamentally so and, and i think maybe a lot of people are this way it's like um maybe our attention is just fine but our context is fucked <laughs> our context <laughs> is is getting us um and you know and that context can be our ourselves in some sense and and what we've we've built into ourselves or had inflicted into ourselves grooved into ourselves but w what is the kind of um the the the, the cultural that and and this question has so many eddies and there's so much to say i have so much to say and so much i'd like to communicate about it and interestingly i i seek to do so ultimately with um a uh, a, uh, a capacity for logos that is you know as supreme as possible 
um, like the, the foundations of the context for philosophy, it must, it must, um, must very much take, take this into, into account in, in as much as possible. But I, I think of how much, for instance, how much time is needed, um, how much we um, have to develop the capacity to um, listen despite the an immediate maybe unable might not be able to follow exactly what's being said there's a fine balance there because sometimes you do need to jump in so it's i'm going to go all over the place here but i but i think it's i think it's worthwhile so there's this phenomenon also of kind of like edutainment you know and mm. and in some mm. sense if, if i was to speak to the to the virtue of this which i actually don't often do but right now i think maybe i, I will the, the, maybe the maybe the virtue in this is is something that well this is a way to engage people in some interesting and important educational content okay and it, we're trying to adapt um, this to a, to a, a, a new moment and it can go of course horribly we we can it, very dangerous thing we can start to God addict ourselves to whole different ways of business patterns and whatever um, but there's something of the aesthetic to be brought in in such a grand scheme like i think like over weeks right with hundreds of people um in all manner of different in all manner of different um forums and rhythms and and modes which then somehow uh create a kind of artifacts or or not or questions that can then be brought into a next moment, like how to truly welcome in and to maximally include the plurality of perspectives, stances on this, on this, this being that we are unfolding together and the, the, what is necessary to remember of its vitality um, what we should really care about in relationship to what we can also say about the world and its effects on all these different levels of vitality we have to care about both of our lineage and also of a kind of projected in a projected potential future there's so so much there and um and through it through it all through it all the the um care for the imminence of wherever we are now remains most fundamental and yet there is this broad god there is this like a casting into the future and a kind of um the com a commitment to the importance of that which has to which is and has to be grounded on a um uh, a rigor of enough of the picture of just what is going on that requires a um requires the ongoing um care for this process of um of enacting wisdom process together i was looking for some way to phrase like being in relationship with ignorance or something like this but i couldn't quite get the words but um has to be built you know and and i think about i think about just how difficult it is in my life to even reckon with how to take forward this this podcast like what it is to 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 summon the um 
the the right relationship of of being here together not something i was at all um concerned about with you hence hence everything i've said and um but it's uh when we think about how to relate to the kind of experts and people who otherwise command, let's just say people who command a lot of attention, you know, Jordan Peterson is a prime example of someone who has a lot of uh, followers on YouTube, for instance, if his name's in a video and he's there, it's going to bring in several hundred thousand people. And those people, 99%, who knows what number, most of them want to hear from Jordan. And there is, and, and I've experienced this dynamic with other people. Um, you know, if one, uh, if one steps outside of the perceived kind of Overton window of what an interviewer or someone who has a channel and interlocutors able to put forward, um, there's going to be a, quite a lot of, a lot of pushback. We don't want to hear from you. We want to hear from this person, you know, mm-hmm. uh, we want to hear how this, maybe we want to hear how this position relates to this particular position the, the, the 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 vulnerability and the realness of relationship to be realized and presenced and all of the um, vulnerability to the ontologies that can be brought forward through that and which in some sense that must be protected somehow um, plenty to say on that in terms of even the mechanisms of distribution all part of this context this open source one maybe not being appropriate for the kind of vulnerability of of ontology to be presenced in some instances although i still desire a certain like the access to it rather than i'm not talking about something closed either this more of a middle but point is the summoning the the allowance for the space for a genuine dialogue when that relationship hasn't otherwise been established um is so it's so so challenging and it's not it's it's one of those things that the i would say the majority of people don't even know that they're actually seeking and the I don't know how much capacity we have to even allow in others who, of course, in my case, aren't going to have the capacity of, of erudition to speak so inclusively and remain relevant um, to the number of people required to somehow keep that energy where it needs to be. I can try and that's part of the artfulness of developing and I think that's what that's the skill to develop but to do that without stepping into a kind of you know sophistry again uh, all salience without relevance um, and to still be on on the line of where of where of where like of where my soul needs to meet you here and have that again and have the, somewhere of that be a, a balancing dynamic maybe is it not balancing a guiding a guiding light for how to navigate ultimately potentially the most profound disagreements of of the logos mind you know um that might entirely unscaffold as like whole aspects of identity attached views ultimately not leaving one bereft of that of that more fundamental capacity to be here and appreciate but how but maybe that's not the thing that's even if maybe that's the thing that's not even um it's not knowingly valued uh anyway i said i said a lot i said a lot there but all of these things are 
to me, they're obviously running around in my, in my mind as ongoing problems to wrestle with. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Tim, you said all kinds of really like provocative things. Um, God, where to begin or to continue? I mean, yeah. so, yeah, I, I mean, one of the things I think that people, that, that well, this includes me too, for that matter, that, you know, we tend to misapprehend so easily, especially in the online discourse space, which is something I was initially so endeared to and, uh, and impressed by and now have a very ambivalent relationship to, you know, there's so much about it to be commended. There's so much about, there's so much virtue to it, but there's, there's, there are many, many, many corresponding vices to it as well. And cults of personality being but one. Um, and I think one of the problems is that we tend to, you know, when we look upon people who have, um, who have earned uh, a profile of, um, of a great pedagogical profile, Peterson obviously is like the is like the apex example right now. But you know, John's another such person, and there are there are dozens now, right, operating in the space. Is that we see, we tend to mistake their thinking as um, as having a static nature, and I mean it doesn't, right? They're they're when you, this occurred to me when you talked about the vulnerability and, um, and one of the things that, you know, you have to really pay attention closely to actually pick up on this, unless you happen to know one of these people personally, but what becomes very obvious is that like, this is a, this is a game of constant, uh, adaptation. Um, there's a, there's a developmental track to this that is much more volatile than people think. And, you know, um, even the most, even the most learned and erudite of people, when they're functioning in this space, they are constantly dissolving and resolving their, um, not only their structures of pedagogy, but their, their fundamental structures of, of belief and philosophical orientation. Like these are not, these are not static entities fixed in time. These are, these are dynamical things that are changing over the course of time. Right. And I, you know, I had one of these moments recently when I, I, it's, it's the most obvious of realizations, but the most obvious of realizations are also the ones that are, that are most deeply felt and resonant, which is that, you know, you can stand still and change in spite of yourself. You can abstain and keep yourself on reserve and be as conservative as you possibly can by minimizing your interactions and your susceptibility to change, and yet you will, if only by omission, if only by omission, we do not stay in one place, right? Thank you, Heraclitus. And, you know, that seems so obvious when we talk about it as a principle or as a theorem or something, but as applied to embodied human beings that are broadcasting themselves constantly, it tends to be forgotten very, very quickly. And that's one of, and you'll see, right? If I mean, you tr track, 
track the thinking of any one of these people. And it's sometimes it's to their great credit, right? If, especially if they do so reflectively and self-consciously, understanding that it will happen to them regardless. And so they may as well try and, um, and remain as attentive to it as possible. But you'll see, you'll see that the, 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 the tenor of ideas will change. The form of those ideas will change. The order of their priority and the order of their uh, conviction will change. And, and, and to me, that's, I, I actually find a, a great measure of relief from that. Mm. Um, I find a great measure of relief in the impermanence of opinion and the impermanence of conviction because it, it doesn't, you know, t t time doesn't suffer. Time doesn't suffer conviction very well, you know, or opinion age and change and suffering um, are, are, are far more um, resolute than are the most ardent of opinions. And at some point there, there is a, a category change between, um, between the conviction that we associate with uh, opinions and that which we might associate with something like faith. I don't hold them to be the same. They're, they are distinct. Um, but it is very difficult sometimes without knowing someone intimately to divine one from the other. Mm. And one of the things that um, we forget very easily, and I forget it too, is that is that the utterances that we make, we make in responses to contexts that foist their conditions on us and activate certain parts of our nature. And trait, personality plays into that, character plays into that, all kinds of things, all kinds of things contribute to the complexion of a philosophical belief or disposition. And, and, and that means that the, what you've described as the call and response function of intimate social philosophical interfacing, such as we're doing right now, changes the humor of our philosophical identities. And how could it not? How could it not? Right? How could it not? And that, to me, ends up feeling much more real. Much more real. Um, and it makes me leery, conversely, of, 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 of proffering a an opinion or a thought or a position on something when I know of myself, and perhaps this is, uh, this is that <laughs> this may be simply a, 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 a weakness of character and education on my part. I'm willing to admit that's a possibility. Um, but I know of myself that provided a different set of, um, provided a different set of, of pragmatic constraints. I will, um, I, I will I will morph 
and be chameleonic and change my colors to match the conditions that afford me the most real connection with those people who are likely to bring forth what is already most real in me. Right. And that means means that the meaning of what is offered changes because suddenly there is a, the, the, suddenly it's a matter of, of pragmatic conveyance not a matter of propositional certitude. Mm. And, and yet propositional certitudes used ironically in the way that Socrates used them can be remarkably efficient instruments for effecting the modal changes of, 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 um, of engagement that actually allow us to, to attune to what's more real. Mm. Um, and that's why, you know, going back to the silence after the noise is so necessary because the noise was only useful insofar as it substituted for the totality of that silence and referred us back to it. And that is the irony, that is the irony of speech, is that it strives for its extinction, <laughs> as, it, as, it, as it should in some sense, right? Because it's the, it's the divided being attempting to reacquire its unity. And the longing for that unity, to me, attitudinally, often gives rise to this impulse to abstain altogether from the entire enterprise. And I'm constantly fighting, trying to beat back um, that impulse. But I'm grateful for the impulse because the impulse helps to countervail against the, the, against the, the, the risk of becoming so lost in the discourse that the discourse becomes... Um, it, 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 be, it becomes the, the, um, it becomes the index of its own success as a project, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, I hope, I hope that that, I hope that that was properly in response to what you said, cause, cause all of that to me came out of what you said, but I, mm -hmm. I hope you feel that way too. And mm -hmm. yes, yes, I, <laughs> Speech is dying well. You know, if I die well into a sentence, I've. That's and that's it's so interesting because it's also uh, speaking until complete is all of a sudden the same thing as that, hey? Yeah, yeah, that's I, right. I'm, dying into a sentence, I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And it's and when uh, <laughs> oh man, you interrupted me. I'm not finished dying yet. And, and that's, it's upsetting not to have died then and there. It's, oh, it's so, it's so, in, it's like we have to, um, it's like letting, but it's just the practice of letting go, but the, the gracefulness of letting go, because there's something, if we don't let go uh, gracefully, there's part of us that's for whatever reason, somehow still holding on 
unwilling to release kind of traumatized i mean that's a, a bit much maybe but in some circumstances we could imagine some theatrical context you know where it very much would be the case um people speak you know i never had to never got to say these words to a loved one or something like this they uh, never found that elicited that expression um that was part and parcel of turning the page turning the corner and maybe that can happen internally and in some sense i do believe that this um this dialogical process we we speak to um between between you and i uh, between people um it it has seemed to me that the pat this pattern of 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 we can say call and response i have more poetic words in to say in in writing but uh this this dialogical relationship you know it's uh it's the reality of the um, council within as well. Uh, Forrest Landry likes to say in a council and um, council within. Yeah. And, and so it's somehow this right relationship of council within meeting a, a council without set in somewhere uh, beautiful, but, where there's that certainly that um, line of awe and terror with the grandiosity perhaps of nature and the storm clouds over the horizon as the sun sets beautifully or something like this that that I'd also like to see as part of that as part of that picture. <sighs> and so, I mean, mystically, this um, this following this inner relationship, this relation seeking itself where we pass through this where, where we die into a sort of silence and from that a, a re a re-emergence or this you know solvay et coagula so many ways to speak about this right dynamical relationship and yeah, yeah. um yeah. how it's like the, the dream the one of the you can say some sort of fantasy of articulated faith that's guiding me and seems to be inherent to discussion around terms like collective intelligence which somehow for me doesn't quite capture the the poesis of what i think i'm seeking to speak to here but um this um whatever this 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 wave this transformation you know occurring is this flow if there's an a, a right like an alignment within me as i die into like die into maybe it's into a provocation maybe it's an invitation i mean i'm thinking of propositions in some sense as as provocations in many instances we're putting on the hat of this kind of belief and here what are we going to do about this then um as i as i pass it over um that and for that to be taken up then um, and I mean, as, as we're seeking to hear, but, but I do think what that, what that looks like, and it's why I think, you know, games like the, the glass bead game, which you might've seen, um, yes. Lawrence Curry Clark playing that we've played it a number of times and it's definitely, um, utility, uh, to it, particularly, uh, for our purposes here with the experimentation with timed turns, um, because there's a sense in which I, I mean, I'm, I, one of the, um, one of the barriers to entry I've found at least into dialogues like this is, you know, we're, 
we're probably I'm speaking for several minutes at a time. And, um, and I enjoy listening to someone speak for several minutes at a time or short. I like that. I like, and I seem to have a capacity to take that in and, and be with that picture. Um, mm. And, and, and I consider that a dialogue. I could probably consider a dialogue over 10 hours with five exchanges of one hour, a dialogue, but for many, that would be a kind of monological. And, um, but again, what is, what is presenced in the presentation in the performance of speech? If that is performed as a kind of dialogue, then we can open up, I think, both the expanse of long duration with much speaking in each part, as well as we can like, you know, uh, imagine these fantasies of, and I, 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 I attempt this in have attempted this in on many occasions now in different group settings uh, with with you know fellow um, explorers in voicecraft.network of this you know when you of attempting this uh, this philia Sophia this dialogue together um, where there are shorter turns that can we pass it across the plurality of expressions who feel in their time now is my moment to die next you know there's something like and what is the 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 art the art form of that you know i consider stepping into a dance at a festival where you might have generally for me i've, I've found them to be in smaller stages where you might have 100 150 people and there's just such a a clear synchronization of this like a it's like a, a synchronization of sameness of certainly resonance. And at the same time, there's it's, it's novel for everyone to engage with at the same time. Um, and you can kind of drop into it and where there's something in there that, that that's, that's a fantasy of, of an art form that is, you know, it's something that it's something I find, motivating and inspirational from from time to time and and then and then part of me wonders as well if if all of this is not just part of my childhood in some sense wounding of uh giving up on not giving up on but sort of through for, for various reasons and changes in my life conspiring to you know, uh, remove the the music, the playing music from my life. I, I stopped stopped piano and I uh, stopped singing when I was quite young. But it was the it was how I connected to the sacred when I was when I was young. And um, someone asked me the question, you know, well, if you start again, what kind of skill or what would you do or be? It would probably be a musician. And uh, it's it's something like this. Part of me does, you know, the, the, the lamentation is chasing. It's chasing the tale of of uh, of music with <laughs> with a too limited um too limited instrumentation or something like this but but I, I don't think that's the full of it i actually do think there is something again to this to this logos built in there that 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 can you know it constellates a different possibility of art form maybe that's where it comes in in some sense i don't know but you've still got the symmetry in music so i don't know about that anyway <laughs> Yeah. When you were talking about the sort of the, the dance, this image of this, this large group and stepping into um, sort of stepping into formation into um, 
something fluid like a dance um i yeah i So let me ask you, I mean, that last bit you just mentioned about, you know, chasing the, the, the disappearing tale of, of music. Um, is that something that is, what is it that I'm trying to ask you here? What for you ends up being the, the function of that tale? Does it, is it something that, is it something whose disappearance, and I mean disappearance not as something past, but I mean disappearance as a present action the action of currently disappearing. Cause that's sort of the image I got. You talked about your relationship to music. I got this impression of something retreating away from you, but that you still had a line of sight on. Mm. And that to me presents two very, very different valences. One of which is um, aspired. And the other of which is, um, is, is fatality. And often, at least in my experience, the two compared quite frequently. Um, and there's something about the implicit tragedy of being a person that is also um, paradoxically um, the source of all vitality. Right, mm. our tragedy is the source of our vitality. I think, or at least the conditions that give rise to that particular um, um, the the conditions that 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 give rise to the form of tragedy as we know it are precisely those conditions that are uh, that seed life its vitality, and when I hear you speak about music, I get a simultaneous impression of both the despair of that tragedy and also the faith that inheres it. Mm. I get both at the same time. The loss of possibility um, again, loss as a present event, not as a past one, is something that grants the urgency of being that I think is part of what awakens us, right? Remembers us, causes us to recollect that we are beings of possibility at times when such things are easy to forget. And that the tragedy, the tragedy of, of, of finiteness and finitude carries with it an imperative to attend to the source of that tragedy. 
And so when you talk about music, when you talk about music, that's what comes to me. And I'm, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how that lands for you. Oh, it lands beautifully. You know, thank you for saying that. It's, um, that was really very, uh, very profound to listen to. I don't know if I can um, wend the most important words you used together well enough to follow. Um, but I, one thing that was coming to me, uh, perhaps to express a little bit as well of where I'm coming from, perhaps in relationship to the music is um, there's something of a, a prior to justification propositional justification that is available in that moment of in that duration of music of living the music that is um, I mean it can both be something uh, to um, that is the 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 source of or the the source to be presenced um, as a remembering and at the same time that we also that I think is um, aspired to maybe is aspired to in our systems of justification as laying the platforms and foundations to now step onto that enable a bringing of this lineage of alignment of our nature and our proclivity and our connection to the world and ourselves which to culture you know through um how can we and 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 the lamentation the 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 giving up in some sense of you know, I was something like pursuing a life grounded on music. I mean, it's, I mean, it is, my life still is grounded in music, you know, um, but, uh, but it's, um, it's something in there of, of, you know, um, planting, planting a tree that you don't get to sit uh, in the shade of that famous expression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i you know spoke earlier right at the start perhaps before this uh of what we include in the recording of sickness a little bit and the, you know the importance of you know i made the remark the importance of bodily health um in relationship as well to spiritual health but um i've been sick recently was sick for a little while with some sort of flu not COVID, I believe, but um, uh, I, my, obviously my capacity was extremely diminished and, um, and I, I wasn't doing too much philosophy then. And I'm struggling now to, to recollect the link between that sickness and this sitting in the shade of the trees, but there's, oh, it's almost there. Anyway, the image is like it's that being in 
being in service to God, this is such a crazy sentence to say being in service to uh, music, like as such the possibility mm -hmm. for it as, as distinct from the enjoyment of being that one who is performing and living that music. And uh, of course we all have our, we all have our time, but I, I hope at least that I'm, I'm not so deluded as to not know, not know, be deluded about the knowing I have for myself that has led me to along this path of seeking like an, an understanding of the integration of this musical nature with, with the scientific propositional, with the, the analytical, with, with the, with the clarity of the clarity of symmetry uh, required for the the most stable foundations we can presently pragmatically commit ourselves to and there's just something about that the loss of like when the music kind of ends or or even in that that tragic sonorous note that one lives as much as that is somehow trans trans narrative in its imminent just giving and being there at the same time there's feels to be something in me whether you know we could give some psychological story of how it comes to be but i you know I, i've sensed it in so many others too of course that that the conditions enabling us to be here and enjoy the music aren't actually going to take care of themselves you know and oh, yeah. while while the universe and nature provides for us in a sense you know it <laughs> only part of the way and yeah. um and so it, it's i suppose one could look at it as some sort of developmental thing but it's just it's that tragedy it's that tragedy of the finitude again and yeah. uh how and and how to be in right relationship with the continuity of that beauty is ultimately to accept the death of that beauty in the moment um but maintain a faith and a, a and, and a rigorous relationship with um that faith that yeah. to enable the possibility of being with that music again yeah something like that oh beautifully said tim really beautifully said yeah yeah it's something if i understood you right it's music is something into which you die mm. and is is a, is a symbol i mean that in the in the most sacred sense of the term by which and through which to live and die. And you're right. It doesn't just take care of itself. And depending on how we frame the task of helping to take care of it so that it can take care of us, that either means to 
remove everything that can obfuscate our view from it, or to add only that which supports our attention and sustains our attention to train on it. And I guess we can frame it in either way. It just depends on whether we want to say, speak of it positively or negatively. But in either case, we have to somehow find a way to, to organize our attention such that it concentrates on that which returns us to to a sacred death. Hmm. Um, it's something I find very difficult as well. Yeah. You know, finding, finding that, <laughs> yeah, to put it mildly, finding that, finding that by which to live and die is precisely what we've, what we've lost, right? Not all as individuals, but certainly collectively we've lost. And, um, because our, I mean, our, you know, I think one of the things that one of the one of the the one of those one of the realizations that sort of stolen upon me in the last few years is is that you know my life's not my own, um, and that it it grounds out well beyond the point where my ignorance begins. And um, that realization is in turns um, um, uh, is, is sometimes brings a great deal of absolution and sometimes brings an incredible amount of despair. Um, and sometimes both, because of course you can't have one without the other. Um, but this idea of finding, finding, uh, God, I love the way you, you put this. So I keep wanting to say it this way now. Finding that into which you may die is, um, it seems as good a, as good a way of framing the task as any as any I've heard. Um, and I mean that, I suppose, at every level of meaning, at every level of resolution, disambiguate that any number of ways, but I think it's true in all of them. And yeah, yeah. it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 and which is paradoxically, paradoxically, maybe not the wrong never probably use that word correctly but that that right death as being for life you know and that's the resonance with which um i feel that expression as you speak it and um yeah. and it's you know perhaps an important qualifier i was once speaking to a man who's a friend and a mentor to me and um uh perhaps he because of some tragedy he's experienced with um, the passing of uh, the suicide of his son some years ago, he is quite sensitive to 
formulations of um, this is something to sort of to die for, you know, it's like something to, something to live for, Tim, you know, matters how you say it. And, and it, it, I think as I reflect here, it matters how you say it rather than necessarily the explicit words you say. And the reality is I think both living for something and dying for something, they imply, imply each other. And um, mm -hmm. so I, I suppose I just, I just mentioned that as a, um, as an ode to what was, has been quite a profound moment for me there as I reflect, but I, um, I, I wonder about, um, I wonder about closing up here um, just for the sake of uh, energy, really. I truly would delight in taking this conversation on, but I am conscious of, I truly am conscious of the energy that goes into these interactions. I hope and I intend always for these to be in some sense um, enabling of rejuvenation at some profound level, but um, physically, energetically, I, I do, I do find they take, they take quite a lot. And, um, and so I, you know, I want to respect that and uh, perhaps leave us five or 10 minutes to, um, to integrate a little bit with the, with the recording button off. But um, if, but I'd love to invite you to share anything you have, if you feel there's something you'd like to share in closing to, find some sort of completeness here or if not that's all good too oh thank you tim i'm i just i feel a lot of i feel i'm very grateful to you you're you're you you inspire a lot of a lot of confidence i, I mean i found this when i talked to you last time and it's true again and uh you uh you inspire a, a certain a certain intimate kind of disclosure and uh and so consequently you know i i, I apologize the sort of the 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 version of, of me that you got today was a very uh, a very disjointed and and uh, and scattered one. But I also felt like uh, that was that's what's true right now. And uh, and I felt like you uh, you invited you invited whatever was 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 true. You invited it because it was authentic. And um, and uh, I really appreciate that. I really appreciate that. And. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd talk to you anytime, my friend. Yeah, beautiful. Well, no, I appreciate, I appreciate you um, sharing in, in such a mode. It's um, truly, I have many, many perspectives on the, the utility and the dynamics of, you know, profoundly philosophical, interaction in the public sphere and um what what it what it means what it what it what it what it costs you know there's a cost for me there's been a there's been a cost to it a tremendous you know opportunity for for growth but also a cost and um it's uh like so many things that touch on terms like faith and spirit and sacredness like these profound things like the <laughs> this is for another conversation but the the relationship between the cost i'm speaking about here 
and the the function of monetization in our current economy in relationship to that cost in relationship to um sacredness that is one tremendously tortured tortured relationship and um well for another time but um yeah thank you so much man honestly it's such a it's such a privilege and um i just like to thank you for your work with john and uh and all of the all of the energy you've shared digitally um i i know that for me and uh and for and for a number of others if you've mentioned to me this um giving of confidence i uh like when I when I hear when I hear yourself, John and Guy, I've heard so much of you. You know, um, so often I'm just like, ah, oh, these these fucking legends. You know, like I can't <laughs> just cover back to it. It's um, like I, it's the it, it's like it's because of the because of the integrity and commitment to 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 the to the feeling of the dialogue. Um, it, quite aside from from anything else there's there is just the return and the, the effort like there's these leaps taken you know it's like and and there's so many landings made and um yeah i i appreciate it it's been nice to find some fellow some fellows out there um that uh that i that i that i've taken inspiration from on a journey which felt certainly lonely at the beginning and there was less language to to share um about it so there we go thank you tim thank you thank you for listening and if you enjoy these podcasts please consider sharing them or leaving a review and perhaps also to consider supporting it on patreon.com voicecraft it will help sustain the podcast build the network and make possible more community events and educational resources Read about member benefits at patreon.com slash voicecraft. There are breadcrumbs to follow if you look.